Hey Universe, well, the third must be my lucky day, this being the 3rd of January in the year of Blue Dream, and um, because I have 3 hours, 3 minutes, and 33 seconds of recording time, I won't be using all of that, that's why you're lucky, but something tells me I should go uh, play some cribbage, if the threes are flowing like that, I'll be unbeatable. Uh, good morning, universe. It is... What time is it now? It's now 10.59 a.m. So here, just before the 11 o'clock hour, I sit in my bedroom with the door open and the heater off because sometimes we gotta let the dog get a little bit of what she likes, and she definitely does not like being trapped in the bedroom with the heat on, even though that's what the cat likes. So sometimes we open the door, even when it's only... What, what temperature is it? 17 degrees out there? It is fucking cold outside that bedroom door, so perhaps what you're really experiencing right now is my angst toward my dog because she's been creeping ever closer into a crack in the doorway, and now the door is halfway open, and she's fully in the door jam, so to move her now will be a process of getting her up, and she knows this, but she must be hot because why else would she be letting all that cool air float over her? However, my legs are starting to get cold. The cat is now hibernating inside the pillows. Oh, I know. Can you imagine? These are the dilemmas of my day. That's how chill, tranquil, and centered I am. Stress-free, basically. Should I shut my bedroom door? Or should I let the dog have her whimsical pleasure of cool air floating over her hot coat? These are my whims. These are my decisions. These are what goes on. And this is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Oh, no, 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 of course not, shit, no. We're going to go look back at uh, podcast one and two from the very beginning. This is a reflective podcast on where was I a year ago and where am I now? There will be moments of this going forward in all podcasts, at least on ones that are published on days where I have uh, had po- podcasts from 20, or what we call last year? What would last year be? Last year should be the year of the... Uh, of the hybrid. And by hybrid, I mean the tumbleweed. There's there's one thing that, that they do here in Colorado, and I, I'm sure they do it all over the country, don't get me wrong, but um, is they'll, they'll, grab, um, they'll grab bundles of shake or whatever that they'll tumble into uh, keef and create uh, concentrates. But the concentrates end up with names like, uh, do I have one of these around? Probably not, because I try to go strain-specific. But they end up with names like uh, Lemon Bubble uh, Butter Gum. And, you know, you just, you never know what you're getting when you get these these sort of, uh, well, this was all the crap we had on the floor, so we threw it into the tumbler, and this is what we've got. I'm sure a lot of the strain-specific weeds that I think I'm smoking are probably that shit anyway. So I'm not I'm not trying to pretend this is some pure industry of, of collective uh, assigned... Uh, uh, traits and characteristics for the weed. No, that's why anymore. I just buy the ones that look the best and I've, that's been working out. The creative side of weed is all I'm really after. And I'm after the not stony. Let's go order 10 pizzas side. But if that happens, I can control it mostly now. Um, so I wasn't getting on to talk about weed. Although did I talk? No, I don't even really. Okay. Let's let's start with what is readily apparent if you go listening to those old recordings. Old, they're a year old. 
my first recordings were tough. Very, um, I wasn't ready for the exposure more than anything. I wasn't ready to admit I'd been in jail for 27 days for the, for sure. Um, I wasn't ready to talk about mystical influence. I wasn't ready to talk about Lily. I know that. Um, I wasn't comfortable with myself, even though I had come to love myself, even though I'd come to understand myself, even though I'd come to really appreciate what was going on and where I was going next. I know I'm still uncomfortable with broadcasting that to the universe. Comfortable, I may be inside a bedroom that has a space heater, a dog, a cat, and... All right, she took off. We're shutting that motherfucking door. See if it... Uh, ah, yeah. Heat. Right, Kitty? Woo. Oh, let's get that here. Right here. Come on, Kitty. Give me some body warm. Um, and it's, it's, it's throughout... It's throughout the language I'm choosing, the sentence structure I'm using, the discomfort I have with uh, the narrative pieces in general. Uh, I just, I can hear hesitancy. I can hear insecurity. I can hear, uh, I can hear myself knowing that I'm talking to my father is what I can really hear. Um, I can hear that at any moment in time, any member of my family can click in and go, holy fuck. I don't care anymore about that. <laughs> I mean, after 140 hours of conversation with myself, yeah, uh, they, there's plenty of, of material on which they can uh, decide they need to abandon ship. But the entire scale of the narrative, I think, exposes fairly all of my trials, tribulations, insecurities, securities, overestimations, uh, the, the failure to execute failure to launch, the need to launch again and again and again. I, I'm not going for a picture that is drawn precisely in, in ink format. I'm a collage of goofy glue running through pictures that don't make sense, that are connected to this, but why and when you get it all done, you wrap it around a paper mache model of a stegosaurus and you think, I guess that's art. I mean, that's what my human life has felt like, this one. And I can tell that I don't want to talk about woo-woo concepts. Again, I think the perfect way of putting this, and I should have thought of this earlier, is it sounds like I'm talking to my dad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And the second one's worse. And what's funny is the second one should have been the first one. And I'll get into that, into why here in a second. Because I, I did, I took a full page of notes on each episode. So we're going to, we're going to break these motherfuckers down. As a matter of fact, you should go do five bong hits. I shouldn't because I've done enough just listening to these episodes. But if you're going to listen to this shit, seriously, I mean, maybe even take up drinking. No, don't take up drinking. Do not take up drinking. I mean, go ahead and have a drink now and again, or go ahead and be drunk now and again, but don't take up drinking. Bad idea. Pause. Okay, but I have to give it up for something about this generation. Hang on. And that is... Wow. All right. Um, 
I, I know a few 20-somethings through work. And they... <coughs> oh, boy. Excuse me. Hang on. They treat alcohol like uh, we treated fucking acid. They, I mean, they will plan their night of getting drunk around in, ensuring they're in a safe environment. I think that's fantastic, by the way. Um, and truly hammers home how fucking reckless my 20s and 30s were. I mean, to the point where that's probably the thing I like talking about the least is the abuse of alcohol in my life. Because it led to so many just dumb decisions. But having washed my brain of all that nonsense has given me a lethal sense of of vulnerability and the use of substance to try to overcome those vulnerabilities. So, I, I, is that, is it worth all the fucking chaos? Probably not. The chaos is real. Alcohol welcomes chaos into your life. In fact, it demands it. The more you use it, the more you can't avoid it. But, in some ways, weed welcomes lethargy into your life. If you choose wrong or get comfortable with being a sedentary person, well, we can help help you uh, accommodate that. For me, if anything, as you might imagine, I'm a little bit overwhelming already. I kind of have an energy level that never fucking shuts up. Um, I am the very definition of the Energizer Bunny. As a matter of fact, I'm the fastest walker at work out of 150 people. And it's not even something I'm trying to do. It's just my pace of movement. So for me, weed's never going to lead to fucking couch lock. And what I choose to do when I choose to smoke weed that is known for couch lock, when I go for the heaviest of the Indicas, when I get a bowl of LSD out, it's because I really need to just stop thinking. I need to watch some Gilligan's Island or some Rocky Obama or whatever and just veg. And there are times when I really need that. My batteries need to fucking run out now and again. But for the most part, I'm always running at 93% or more. And and I, I, I don't feel an ounce of tired about it. I don't feel like my body's breaking down fast. I'm 53. And I outpace most 20-year-olds. And not intentionally. Like, it's just the rhythm I was born into. So, why am I telling you this? Did I have a point about this? Uh, so of course I'm going to break this down in overwhelming fashion. Oh, it was that, so I know I can overwhelm. And I know that because my meter is always running so high, I'm constantly, well, not anymore. I mean, anymore, fuck it. I don't give a shit what you think of me. If I have to go, oh, I dropped that dab. Damn it. Hang on, pause. Oh, fear not. There will be no concentrate wasted in the production of this recording. Dab recovery in full effect. Be right back. Okay. Anyhow, because one of my social, um, I want to call it a faux pas, one of the abrasive social elements I have had to overcome is intensity, overwhelmingness, being, uh, hmm, being the kind of Scrabble player (laughs) <laughs> no, let's not tell that story. Oh, God, no. Uh, let's just say that my intensity run, runneth amok. And so I'm 
I've got all kinds of mufflers and suppression techniques and calm down and shut your mouth and don't talk and blah, blah, blah ways of getting through the day that I use. And I use them because they're necessary. I don't want to rub people the wrong way. I want to communicate effectively with people. And I want to be understood, not misunderstood. And I want to present who I really am and why I'm really confused about everything in the universe right now. And I I know that's what I was trying to get done in that first episode. In fact, I know I had notes for that first episode. And the second and the third and probably the first ten. I was going in knowing somewhere that I was beginning a journey. And I didn't want to come into that journey just as ad hoc as it has become. Even though I knew it had to be that way if it was going to sustain. Because no way was I going to be able to create some sort of pre-regiment uh, for this if it was going to be as prolific as I wanted it to be. Speaking in tongues, as I just did with the vocabulary I chose, what I'm saying is, if I was going to do enough recording for it to be quasi-daily, it couldn't also involve prep work. Or I'd quit. So, just hitting the record button after getting high and thinking about shit for a few minutes is about what is involved here. And yet, I think about shit all day long... So what I do is I try to remember, oh yeah, I should talk about that. Or that's an incident that's of interest because this and this happened. You know, or like I've said, I want to relate stuff to the timeless, not the timely. So whatever's happening right now, I don't give a shit about it. But whatever's happening in instances of activity that are symbolic of trends across time, well, those get my interest. And so that's what I want to talk about. And I think that's what I really knew I was going into the first episode, trying to speak at that level, as if I can. Um, What I've come to realize since then is good narrative is full of thematic value. And so finding structured storylines, whether they happen at work or in line at the store or uh, crossing the street, it doesn't matter remembering what's of value that I would want to share with somebody interesting is kind of what I chatter about. And yet in that first one, I think I wanted to sound like a professor of spiritual uh, enlightenment, or I don't know what, something other than just me. And I know I know what, I, <laughs> I jumped into this, well, I didn't jump in. I came finally to this creative outlet full of hesitancy about being received as the real me. And the response back was always, well, don't worry about it. You're going to have a full year of anonymity where you can say anything that you need to to correct yourself. What has been true? Right, Kitty? Um, So that's good. And I I, I feel like, here's the thing. If you'll listen to the first five seasons, if you'll listen to 265 episodes of me, first of all, don't. But if you will, I would say you get to know me pretty goddamn well. That's where I would say it's totally fair for you to tell me something about myself that maybe even I don't realize 
because I have exposed myself in every other way except maybe exposing myself on the, on those recordings. There is very little width of John that hasn't been tapped on that sequence of, of daily diatribes. Well, it wasn't daily, um, but diatribes it was. So, but again, that's the reason that I'm looking back one last time. I want to go back and, and make sure that I didn't, that, I, that I'm clear, because I'm, I'm past the shell of things that give the first episode. I'll give you, here are four grades I gave it. Comic bookiness, I gave it an A-. minus. I think there's a lot of, of, of uh, making myself the hero in that fucking journey. Um, and I'm not, I don't say that's a good grade. Like, comic bookiness should probably be a D if it's a good episode, but it's an A- minus in that one. Wisdom is a B plus. There, there are nuggets of wisdom in this. As a matter of fact, this one I think. Well, the second one has wisdom too. I would, I, but I've been thinking about these for a long time. So I think I probably had some polish in here that I don't even hear now that I had had ready to go. But for pomposity, I gave it a C. There's too much of that in there for sure. And sniffles is a D minus. That could almost be an F. I almost failed the sniffles. So there you go. That's episode one. I'm going to go uh, do what you should do, which is smoke some weed, and then we're going to get back to this. All right, nose is blown. Beverage is here. I actually have my notes. Bong is there. Pipe is there. Torch is there. Lighter is there. Dabs are there. Grass is there. All right. Vaporizer is there. I need some socks. It's cold in here. Um, and dogs outside, cats in the room with us. So this is a rare cat-only podcast. Of course, the cat's freezing and hiding in the pillows, so we won't be hearing from her, but she's here. So her energy, and not Phoebe's, is the main co-pilot on this podcast. Go kitty kitty. Okay. Ah, you know what? I need one more bar. Hey, hey, and before I get too far here... Uh, I want to say one more thing about overwhelming people. I know the bad thing about overwhelming people, it's like, <laughs> instead of helping somebody move from A to R by getting to K and P in between, A-R-K-P. W-K-R-P? Oh, if only I'd gone to A to W. K-R? Well, whatever. I, I, the, the, the sequence is irrelevant. What's important is that having traveled from A to R, I always think I can take somebody who's in BCD and just move them to R. But you got to go through K and P or R doesn't mean anything. And now I understand that. So what I try to do is be enticing. Like I want to challenge people to go figure shit out on their own. And I think... Part of why I'm so obtuse in this first one, and for for some of my initial um, thoughts on on adjectives that describe this episode, I put pretentious, timid, insecure, murky, intense, snotty, trustworthy, inclusive, cooperative. I mean, so it's a mix of shit, right? But it, if anything, it's it's too obtuse. Um, it's uh, well. So it's called I Need Some WD-40 because at the very end I let my dog out 
or I open the back door and it creaks. So clearly I need to squirt some WD-40 on it, which I did that very instant and it fixed it ever since. It hasn't squeaked since. So when I say I'm solutions oriented, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I look at anything I get right or I'm fixing for the better as a win. Even squirting WD-40 on a squeaky lock or a squeaky hinge. It's, it's important to me that I always am feeling momentum in my day of improving my situation or the situation of those around me. And if I make a misstep, like this big ink line I actually drew on my headboard, which is white, it's in black permanent ink, I'm sure I could find some solvent that'll get it off of there. Yeah, but you know, the first solvent I would probably try would probably get do something to the varnish or finish on this headboard and leave a, a worse thing. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, I also am making the universe a worse place. I don't just knock down fucking dominoes all day long. There are setbacks aplenty. But I am just letting life happen. And the dominoes that are falling are almost falling in spite of myself. And they're always falling positively for me. And the setbacks that I am having, like accidentally marking my headboard, well, I just slow down. You know what? I can live with the fact there's that line on my headboard until I take enough time to figure that out rather than just go grabbing mineral spirits and rubbing it on this headboard, and finding out, whoops, that was the wrong thing to choose. That's old John. <laughs> and I know that I'm trying to show in that first episode that that guy no longer exists. And by this time, I'm aware, oh yeah, that guy still exists. He's just working the world differently. And I don't know if I even knew that a year ago. But having to talk my way through all of what the fuck goes on in my life has made me realize this. And I also realized this is one of the first times we're ever having Phoebe bark on the podcast because she would never bark in my room while I'm talking. But since she's outside where there are people walking by, she's barking. So before I start breaking it down point by point, let's go ahead and shut her up. Pause. <laughs> shut her up. I'm going to go shut my dog up. Ugh, talking like my mom. All right. <clears throat> Do we always care what others think of us? I open with some, some yakety yak. But this is probably my first point that I now am not sure because boy I don't know I guess a little bit of me still cares what other people think of me enough but I've I've revealed to the universe everything I can think of that's kind of shitty and I, I don't know if I care anymore I really don't do I care what the, I care what my family thinks of me that's for sure but can I even lose that? Yeah, I could. I could. But I, I, can't, I can't necessarily stand by that statement. Do, that I say there's always a little bit of us that cares what other people think of us. I don't know if that's true. In fact, I don't know that that isn't what you should be aspiring to as the ultimate transcension into a higher consciousness, is to release all of it. But <laughs> I know this, my little Dennis the Menace subpoint diatribe is nowhere near as clever and important as I thought it was. Because of course we're not, uh, we're not the same people, we don't have the same intuitions, we don't have the same uh, uh, fabric from which we are creating our own collages. But the main point of what is, is going on there, and, it's, and I missed it entirely, is that Dennis has to do what he's doing. Dennis the Menace is the kid that has to go into the dryer. That's what he's built to do. 
and I kind of navigate around it, but I don't straight up mention it. I am not the kid who's built to, to do that. We're all built to fulfill purpose, destiny, and realization of our life in different ways. Dennis gets, gets, gets something from being beat up in a dryer. I do not, nor will I ever. But it proves Dennis's resiliency to himself or whatever he gets out of it. Maybe it, it cements his lunacy in his own fucking deluded mind. I don't care. But Dennis has to go into that dryer. So whatever you're here to do that you have to do, embrace it. Be a Dennis. If you're a menace, you're a menace. Um, and so it's not just that people are who they are. It's that they have to do what they have to do. So John will not be Dennis because John does not act or do what Dennis does. I don't think I got that point. I don't even know if I knew that point when I thought I had my point about Dennis the Menace in that cartoon. But another thing that I can hear in this early episode is I am definitely elusive about who I really am. I am unsure how to tell you all the fucking snot-blowing grossness of my life in this first episode. And this is what was the most challenging for me is I knew I didn't have a message other than to spill everything I know about me. And that is what I was being encouraged to do. And, and so that meant that I had to come to grips with the fact that sooner or later I was going to talk about that night in college. That I was going to expose my beliefs about Sandy Hook. That I was going to tell you that I think the Big Bang is full of shit. You know, these are things that on January 2nd of the year of, um, of hybrid weed combinations, well... I wasn't ready for all that. And now that I've told you all that, well, so cat's out of the bag, right? So here in the year of blue dream, well, we can be dreaming in color instead of pretending that we don't. Uh, and, and okay, here is where I get really insecure. I hear myself trying to assign myself a role. I'm trying to label myself. I give myself the labels like Machiavellian and shit like that. I, what? Uh, that's the one part of it. If I could edit out, I would. But that just shows me that my tendency to want to have other people understand me by giving them terms that I think are relatable so that they won't just jump to other conclusions, that's a terrible thing to do because then that means that I'm telling you, well, you can expect me to be Machiavellian. Okay, uh, I wouldn't say to take that fucking assessment out of your possible adjectives for my future behavior, but I am not Machiavellian. Not now. And if I ever was, I was getting there by being a whole lot of other shit first. So, when you give yourself labels, you give other people permission to call you that. And I, I shouldn't have done that. Judge me whatever you want. If you think I'm Machiavellian, I'm up for the conversation. Hell, I might even agree with you. But to just start throwing terms around about what I am, that was bad. But I know that on episode one, I'm so insecure about being judged as something other than what I am. I'd rather you take me in group categories as this, 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 or this, and I'll live with that reality rather than you misjudging me because I couldn't communicate effectively the cracks in my armor, the chinks in my existence, the, and that was not a racist term, though. Why do I use the word chinks? I got to get that one out of my vocabulary. We can always, always, always work on being better, right? 
And I can certainly hear that I was trying to work on being better in this first episode. I just wasn't there. And I think I'm, I'm over-prepared. It's like, you, it, you know what this first episode is? It's how I played music. There is too much um, fear mixed with, uh, with practice and, and knowing this is the moment all at once. It's all in that first episode. Basically, I'm just not comfortable. I'm not comfortable that I have to be myself and, and that that means no holds barred. Because I'll talk about anything. There's no inhibitions. That's the only way this works. And it's unedited, <coughs> except for the pause button. I try not to do anything offensive in your face. You know, I can't always help it. Sometimes I do. But, um, so, assigning myself labels is a bad part of that first episode. There's also a lot of hyperbole. And, and it's hyperbole toward some of my worst. Like, there's no way I would have even told you in episode one that I'd been in jail, let alone for how many days and for what. But I know that I'm eventually going to tell all that. I just have to get comfortable enough with enough story framework that that becomes topical enough for me to discuss and not feel, again, overexposed. So, when I am speaking about some of my darker elements, I speak of them as if I'm writing out a comic book character. That's where the comic bookiness of this goes to an A-. Um, I know myself, I'll quit if I'm not into it. Okay, it's easy to talk myself out of challenges. And I've admitted to this. This is one of my worst traits. Is something gets hard, and I start thinking, do I really want to fucking put the time in? As if I'd rather just always do things that I'm good at instead of developing something I'm not very good at into something I am good at. So I think what I need to do in the year of Blue Dream, and what's good about this is I have a friend who kind of has a similar uh, uh, New Year's resolution, and I won't call it a New Year's resolution, especially because I'm pretty sure this resolution has been there many times for her before, and she has failed on it, so let's just say, one of those things where you're like, maybe this will be the year that I pick up the guitar. Well, I'll even give myself two options here. This is the year I either do pick up the guitar and train myself to play something that I can play on the piano from front to back, or, and that wouldn't be bad because I could just learn to play the fucking melody note, but, and I mean, I could learn to handpick that, I could do that by ear, but if not, then I would like to get back to playing enough piano that I can play Charlie Brown, that Mozart piece, and the Moonlight Sonata. It's one or the other. Because those are hard for me. Music's harder for me. But I'm always appreciative of what it brings to my life. Not allowing myself the time to work through that challenge sounds sounds limited. So, and, and I'm going to start looking, and I've already... I picked up the book 1984, so I'm already reading. Um, and I'm going to read either Where the Red Fern Grows or To Kill a Mockingbird next. I'm going to read, reread some of my old favorite books, of course, because how else am I going to get back into reading except to read some of my favorite stories? Um, 
So these are the ways that I'm trying to enhance my life initially. And that's enough, by the way. If I pick up a third thing, a fourth thing, a fifth thing, I'll fail all of it. Because I'll think, well, yeah, I read, but I didn't play music and I didn't cook a Thai food recipe and I didn't plant a new vegetable garden. Okay? If I want to plant a vegetable garden next, fine. That's a February, March, April initiative. That's the next thing. But I'm not going to learn French and uh, relearn calculus in between. No. I'm going to stick to stuff that I can get done. So if over the course of the year I get more musically inclined, I now know what my goals would be to do so. Those are reasonable. And I will plant a vegetable garden this year because I've already solicited help. I've got a team together to, to make that happen because the two or three years I've tried to do it individually, I've gotten nowhere. So without cooperative help, I'll probably get nowhere again this year. So that's how that's going to get done. I've already started 1984. I went and got the book and put it on my bedside table, if we're being honest. But that is starting the book. I had to get something in my presence so that I'll start reading. And then uh, add that to music. And those are two good goals to have right now. That's it. Keep the recording ceiling. Maintain what I'm trying to do with outreach. This is plenty of initiative for me. Any more than this, and I'll be thinking I'm not getting enough done. When I've already got four or five different frontiers on which I'm doing shit. That's plenty. For me, that's probably too much already. But I can handle a little pressure right now because, A, it's the new year, so we're all in that. Well, yeah, of course, I've already lost three pounds. I mean, this is the 3rd of January, so this shit's working out. I figure by March I'll weigh 18 pounds. Um, okay, yeah, there are those people in the world. But you can't, you can't deny when some momentum is in your sails that that's probably a good time to throw some shit into your fucking I-gotta-get-done pile and get it done. So ride the wave I will. All right, back to what I was seeing in that episode. Yeah, um, talking myself out of challenges. Let's not do that in the year of the blue dream. Let's face up to challenges. And let's not overwhelm ourselves by facing up to all challenges all at once. Let's pace ourselves with challenging material that allows us to grow more in advanced ways than just the simple ways that I'm good at. Having conversations with myself is not challenging. Having conversations with other people, that's not really challenging, but it's a different kind of challenge and one that brings a lot to my experience in this capacity. So expect more of that. More briefs and more often? Please, yes. And I also know myself that I'll quit if I'm not into stuff. And so I need to pick my challenges to a point where I really have an intense recognition of the challenges, rewards that are there to be had. Music is one that's, that's a no-brainer. So is reading. These aren't, this isn't a challenge to get something back in my life that I love. I mean, come on. How is that a challenge? But I know myself, if I'm not into it, I'll quit. I can't challenge myself to take up oil painting. I don't know if I love it. I know my parents love it and they're great at it. So it really is tempting to think that's something I should be doing. But is it? Not in this phase. I also talk a lot about seeing the looping back of karma, seeing karma, seeing the swirly whirlies out there, the whirly swirlies, whichever one is the real one. And I, I, what I'm hearing is trying to reconcile my, my life with my beliefs. 
I'm still not totally there. I don't know if any of us ever get there. But I'm not there at all. And I can hear it a lot in episode one. And I try to sort of sum all that up in the conclusive, the universe gave me a break cliche. I don't know if it did. I mean, I banged my head into the wall, as I say in this one, until it was bloody. And I still occasionally find myself all bloodied up by my own actions. In other words, duh, about my own life happens a lot. But the universe gave me a break in connecting me to visions of a better self through my dream states. And then convincing me that not enabling that better self was letting the world down. So that's the break that was always there. And I do feel that now. I don't want to let the world down. Why wouldn't I want to be my best self here? I have it in me. All the messaging that's convincing me that I'm not worthy of it is bullshit. And that you're not worthy of it is bigger bullshit. I don't know if I was clear enough with that in that opening episode. Conscious of the gaps. Yeah, this is where I start to talk about... I, I when, you, when you lose the belief that you are part of a bigger picture or that the world is dependent on you being the best version of yourself, well, then where do you draw lines? What won't you do? Who won't you screw over? Because, frankly, they deserve it in their own way. I mean, when I say I'm Machiavellian, I'm not saying I don't have the ability to dismiss your humanity. I've done it to people, to myself, to my family. Um, but I've been conditioned to think that those options are even options, rather than living in a world where that's not even allowed, because it doesn't exist. You don't dismiss another individual's humanity. How could you? How dare you? Well, when I came to the epiphany that that's actually who I really am, well, it doesn't take back everything I've done. The hollowed-out, soulless version of myself was capable of a lot. A lot of tragedy. So, I've spoken about it. I feel I owe you that. And I'm always willing to speak more about it. And I do. I find times of self-reckoning and disillusionment with who I was and what I was doing. And I, and I bring them here. So... I don't abandon the darker side of myself. And a, a thief? Yeah, I was a thief. I was a terrible thief. And even now, I have to suppress the tendency to steal from the corporations, because fuck them. But I do. I figure in this world, I don't care anymore. If all I eat is peanut butter and honey sandwiches and yogurt, I really don't care anymore. It's fine. And I can get by on 24 hours a week at Home Depot. So what am I complaining about? Right. I'm not complaining, believe me. Um, and nor am I stealing, nor am I taking advantage of any kind. The other thing I know is that my karma even pact determines that if I do steal, well, I'll lose shit. And, and this isn't why I'm losing, this isn't why I'm losing shit unless this is all the backlog of theft I've dropped, dropping stuff in my life still to make up for all of it. Could be, that could be. But, um, if I, if I, if I start uh, stealing, I'll start losing and it'll be, It'll be cash, probably. I mean, I, I don't need to take advantage 
If I take advantage, I will be disadvantaged some other way. So no more. I don't do it. Even though now I probably have more justification for it than ever. Um, And I think I hear myself translating who I really am rather than talking directly like I just did. I say stuff like the mind was dribbling diamonds because I was willing to take them. I'm, I'm not a poet. Why I talk like that? I do not know. Um, the, uh-oh, should we get, well, let's do a big pause, because that's a dog walking by. Okay, actually, you know what, I'm going to take a bone hit. And you know what, let's do this. I'm going to let you guys decide. Should I do Mandarin Cookies number one, which I have just a little bit of wax left, but there's two or three good dabs in there, maybe four. Or should I do AK-47 Diamonds? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to let you decide. I'm going to do both, duh. Okay, and hang on. I owe an apology. I owe an apology to some folk. And take Kansas. Actually, should I apologize to Kansas? I mean, they're right next door. I mean, fuck them, right? Come next door. What's your problem? Okay, Kansans aside, Nebraskans aside, because I think that's two states that don't have legal uh, recreational or medical marijuana, if I remember right. Maybe can't, Maybe Nebraska has medical now. I'm pretty sure Wyoming has medical, Utah has medical, whatever. If you live in a state without recreational medical means to marijuana access, well, then I apologize. Because I'm rather cavalier about smoking weed on this episode recording thing that I'm doing because I kind of assume now we all have access to things like AK-47 diamonds. Oh my God, we all should, that's for sure. Pause. Okay. Those are so glorious. I'm going to save that Mandarin cookies, number one, that butter, for my next break. So, yeah, the obliteration of the innocence. <coughs> Hang on. Uh, I think I can talk through this. A little sip of the sweet watermelon Sandia soda wouldn't hurt. Uh, I had one dream with the camel lionesses where they took me in this like time loop to show me how many souls got recycled through the misery of war when children are just destroyed. And, uh, and it leaves the stain of, of, of like gray dust particle all over the the next round of, of time cycles because their contributions disappear. And it it's not that it's just a, a whole state of confusion and uh, and and stagnation. And the gray dust is is just an in indicator of, of how little color there is and, and color is brought out by uplifting emotion. So everything is just dark and dreary. And, uh, and, and, you know, I still remember that dream. Like I was, like I was being taken to class. And, uh, so when I speak of the obliteration of the innocence, I know that there's, uh, a big gap between that, which is brought into the world for fulfillment and that, which is taken out before it's fulfilled. And that gap is, I think on planet earth in the 20th century was the biggest it's ever been. Um, so when I talk about being conscious of the gaps, 
Mine's dribbling diamonds because I was willing to take them. Well, okay, the obliteration of the innocence. It, it's too, it's too obtuse. It's too pompous. That's why I gave myself that pomposity grade. So I apologize for that. Do I think it doesn't matter whether this is a simulation or not? And did the universe really tell me to stop? Hmm. I I do think it's important whether or not this is a simulation. I just don't think we have any way of of getting to it. That's that's worthless pursuit. So, and and it, that's so easy for me to decide that maybe I'm dead wrong there. Maybe I'm a hundred percent misguided. But I still have to be exactly who I am in playing the simulation out. I'm conscious. I have inner dialogue. I do not share everything. So there is a part of me that is uniquely in the simulation by itself. I'm responsible to that part. And that part has to leave the simulation feeling like it did what it could to fulfill its purpose while it was here. To me, that's regardless of simulation or experiencing 3D reality and some sort of obliteration dust, nothing happens after this circumstance. I still am accountable to that which inside myself says, I matter. If you don't have that, then you don't believe you matter. At least I think. So did the universe tell me to stop? Yeah, it told me to stop thinking I didn't matter. Because I do. So that's why it doesn't take much to have a whole new universe. You just have to believe you matter. You really do. And then you have to act on that in the way that you know you're composed to be here. I'm here to be kind, understanding, and forgiving. I'm built that way. I'm here to fulfill my purpose, and I matter. That's it. That is the whole point of my life. That was simple to figure out, but it took 53 years of banging my head against the goddamn wall to get there. So was I a master of Schadenfreude? At times, yes. I, and I'm counter-tuned to those vibrations? Fuck yeah, I am, because I recognize them in myself. Now I recognize them in other people as if myself is emerging again. So I'm totally counter-tuned to them. And then I speak about being laughed at by the camel lionesses and the universe in general. I, I do feel like the universe will knock you down a peg or two if you're getting a little too full of yourself. And it's happened to me a lot over the course of the year. And some of it I self-imposed wrongly. So you can do it to yourself even. And I, I mean, I think this is a great year to go through the trepidation involved in starting something new that you're not sure you're going to be good at or have any idea if you're even going to do it right. Of course, you're going to have some missteps. Of course, you're going to wonder if you did something 180 degrees wrong just a week after having done it. So what? Figure it out. The figuring it out part's worth it. And... I believe now I can hear the difference between myself last year and this year, and the difference is confidence, belief, understanding that I do matter. But if you can't laugh on the journey as you discover yourself, you're doing it wrong. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> I mean, fuck. You hear how much laughing at myself I did this year? All while progressing in both wisdom and self-esteem. But slipping on banana peels? Please. It's like I'm a pro. But when I do, I don't look up to see if anybody's seen me and feeling embarrassed. I giggle on the ground and think, well, at least it didn't hurt. 
Everything in the moment is the only thing of significance there is. If we could just figure out all the variables that are creating the moment, well, we would figure out life. And then I said bullshit to that, which is right. And that might be the single wisest thing I said in the whole podcast. And then I leave this thought dangling. No, I don't. I actually just claim it's a truism, which I don't know that I can. <coughs> Are we capable of elevating everyone we interact with? Can we leave every interaction we have with another human being? Can we leave them higher than we arrived? And through that reverberation echo of energy, crescendo to unparalleled heights throughout our day. If every human you ran into, you left higher than you got, than they were when you first received them, and that's how you were going through your day, how high could you get? And for once, this isn't about weed. <laughs>